Good morning and welcome to River Valley Christian Church, Lake Elmo. It is so awesome for all of you to be here today and online. Um, so when I say the word warrior, how many are like inside they're just like, yeah. Or is it going to like, mm. Okay, well, I'm going to read some definitions of warrior that I put together, collage of it. A warrior, a person who so shows great vigor, courage, determination, inner strength, and heroism when confronted with challenges and obstacles. A brave fighter and fearless, strong person often having to weigh life and death decisions at the moment's notice. So how many would love to be a warrior for God? <laughs> that was not the, not the response. Okay. Well, inside me, I'm like, where do I sign up? not, I mean, kind of going to the world perspective, I'm like, yeah, I want to be a warrior, but then from God's perspective, I still am like, where do I sign up? Because he's looking for warriors. However, I'm going to steal the scripture, I'm sorry, use the scripture (laughs) that was used last Sunday because on Saturday morning I had a chance to listen to the the, the sermon and in 1 Samuel 16 7 it says but the Lord said to Samuel do not look at the appearances or at the physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see a man as a man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart and the interesting part about that is they're actually He's, he's trying to find David. And when I think of David, I'm like, man, that dude's tough. And if I'm ever going to get in a battle, that's the guy I want to have on my side. But then you read about David. And here's a guy that if you read in Psalms, has such a tender heart to God. So if he didn't have a tender heart to God, I'm pretty sure he went to one half the battles or any of the battles, really, if it wasn't for him seeking the face of God. So, I'm like, how do you become such a warrior for God when he looks at your heart? I'm just shaking. (laughs) And God said, Paul, if you want to have, if you want to be a warrior for for me and my kingdom, He says, you have to have intimacy with me. You have to have intimacy with me. There is no other way. Because when the the enemy starts coming, you have to have intimacy. And so I'm like, because the only way we're going to get people into the kingdom of God is to love. It's not, oh, how, how hard can we fight them? So let me read a description about intimacy. It says, self-disclosure, the sharing of private thoughts, dreams, beliefs, emotionally meaningful experiences is often viewed as synonymous with intimacy. However, self-disclosure is only half the process. The other half is partner responsiveness. According to a psychology or psychologist, it says for a relationship to to be intimate, self-disclosure must occur in a context of appreciation, affection, understanding, and acceptance. Indeed, an intimate experience has not taken place until there is empathetic feedback, until acceptance and acknowledgement and a communicated verbally or non-verbally is indicated that trust is justified. So there's such a give and take that when he says go, you go. 
When he says stay, you stay. When he says pray, you pray. There has to be such, because he's listening to every word that we speak. And yet he's sitting there going, now just come with me and do what I'm telling you to do. So he's looking for intimate warriors. So, So please stand with me and we'll pray. Father, I thank you that you are relentless. You are relentless. The greatest, the greatest warrior that has ever stepped on this earth was Jesus. Because even in the midst of getting beat to the point of unrecognition, where people couldn't even see really who he was, Yet he turns to his father and says, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. So, Father, I thank you that today we are forgiven. Father, no matter what we've done in our past, I love it that you have a great plan for our future. And you just want to just chase after us and take us by the hand and go through this life and be victorious intimate warriors for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If the ushers would come forward and prepare for communion, we're going to receive communion. We're going to do it just a little different this morning, not completely different, but just a little bit different. But they're going to come forward. The night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he instituted communion, it was actually the Last Supper. It was the, the Last Supper. It was the communion. It was all together. And, but it was really the Passover meal. And he, uh, as they met together in the upper room, it wasn't just communion. It wasn't just uh, the Seder meal. There's a lot of things that happened. And, and it's just been on my heart this morning that there was a lot that happened during that time, that night. The first thing he did the first thing Jesus did was he washed his disciples' feet. Now don't worry, it's not going to be a foot washing service. I've done those before, but it's not, to, not this morning. But it's the meaning and the purpose behind it. When he washed his feet, what did he do? He says, he goes, I'm, he says, I'm showing you. He says, I just did something on purpose. He says, I'm showing you that the one who's the greatest among you needs to be the servant of all. The one who washed the feet, you've heard this before, but the one who, the servant who washed feet was the lowest servant in the house. They were the ones that, that, that got all the cruddy jobs. Because feet back in the day, not like they're great now, but feet back in the day were, were at the mercy of all the elements and the dirt and the stuff. And that lowest servant washed the feet of whoever the guests of honor were. And at the, at the Last Supper, Jesus really was the guest of honor. It was his body. It was his blood. It was he was the one who's going to be the sacrifice of all. And what he was saying through that act is that, come on, guys, this is, this is not the way you think it is. We're here to serve. You're here to serve. If you want to be great, serve. So this morning, what's on my heart is that as we receive communion, what we're going to do is you're going to come forward, receive the elements the way we usually do, just because it's the easiest way to, to, to make that happen this morning, is you'll come up, receive the elements, then go back to your seat and hold your elements. Don't, don't hold the elements. Don't, don't partake yet until after I come back and then I have something I want to say and there's going to be something I want you to do. And then we're going to receive communion after that. Amen? Amen. So how do we serve one another? I mean, obviously we can serve many ways. The worship team's been serving all morning. They've been, they've been leading us and worshiping and that service. The ushers just served by 
by having the elements ready. They got here early this morning and they served and, and they are serving. They put everything together and had it ready for the service. The ushers have been ushing, the children's ministers have been ministering. The, you know, people are serving, been serving all morning. Somebody opened the door this morning, whoever that was. So how do we serve one another? Well, it needs to be practical. It needs to be real. How can you really serve somebody right now? Well, I'm just going to give you a hint. You can minister unto one, one unto another. So over here's what we're going to do. We're going to commune. Now, we can commune many different ways. A number of years ago, I got myself in trouble because I, I said we're going to, this morning or that morning, we were going to receive communion, but we weren't going to be solemn and introspective and have our head down. We were going to kind of have fun and laugh and talk and commune. And I, and I know that that's not usual. People, people got a little, so, you know, a little like, what the heck? You know, this, you're not taking it seriously. Oh, I'm taking it very seriously. Communion, man, heaven's going to be a blast. There's going to be a few hoops and hollers and some jumping up and downs and This morning, what's on my heart? I just what's what's been on my heart is for for us to minister one unto another as we receive communion. We're going to commune, and how are we going to do that? I want you to pray for one another. So I'm going to have you stand up here in a moment, and I want you to find uh, two or three people, maybe four people. Just a moment. Hang on. Slow down. Maybe three, four people. Try try not to you know rely on your spouse. Go find somebody else or your best friend or people you know find somebody you don't know and if you see somebody standing all by themselves or sitting all by or hiding go over and be nice you know smile and say hey I'd like to pray for you just and then ask each other hey can I pray for you what, what do you need prayer for just take a few minutes we're not we're not in a rush this morning so take a few minutes the worship team's going to continue to serve the way they do and just find somebody else like I say find three four people and so why don't we all stand just be led be led to go find somebody and just say hey can I pray for you so then you're gonna pray for one another then you're gonna receive communion together okay so that's what you're gonna do is find somebody yeah go ahead now you can yes I agree now now you can go find somebody and just start talking amongst yourself. I'm done. I'm, I'm done talking. Thank you. Thank you for serving one another. Amen? It's good. it's good to be used of God. Let me know when you get to Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> so... I don't know about you. I mean, I, I personally think about this kind of stuff all the time. This is, it's, but also it's, it's, it's what I do. It's obviously my job. It's my profession. It's my calling. So I think, I think a lot about church. And I think, a lot of, I think about things that maybe not everybody thinks about, you know. I, one of the things I think about a lot is what is church really for? What are, what are we really supposed to do when we come here? What... Why do we do this? Why do we get together? You know, can you be, can you be a uh, Christian on a deserted island all by yourself? Well, of course you can. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah John was on Patmos, exactly. We have, we have recorded, you know, people, people who have spent uh, long extended periods of time in in uh, prisons or, or uh, detention, whatever, and, and they've been in all by themselves. Hey, they've, they've had a relationship with God. But that's not what it's all about. That's not, what, that, that's not the ultimate, is that you can stand on your own. The ultimate is you can, you can come in with a bunch of believers and, and still, hang, you know, still love each other. That's the ultimate, you know. And uh, being able to minister. But I, I think a lot about what church is for. And, and why we come together, why we have a service, what, what is the purpose of church services? What is the purpose of church? 
Um, anybody else ever think about that, you know, in depth? Yeah. <laughs> the ministers amongst us, yeah. People who are, the people who have been doing this for a long while. But I've been going to church for over, over 50 years, many, many years. And, and uh, for the first 18, very regularly. You know, at least once a week, if not twice a week, you know, as a youth group or whatever, and then Sunday school and before. And then when I went to college, I didn't. You know, there was a, a gap there for a while. But then after I came back to the Lord, man, it's been constant. You know, I bet, I bet I've been to church, uh, you know, I've been in it. I mean, obviously I come to work every day in a church, but, but I've been in church services, you know, mu- you know, multiple times a week sometimes. And I always wonder, okay, what good does it do? What good does it do? If, if we come to church every Sunday, if I go to church every Sunday, and if I, if I read my Bible every day, if I, if I do this, even religiously, or if we want to get, you know, get past the religious part of it, I, go, I do this devotedly. I'm devoted to being in the presence of God. What good does it really do? And I've been actually been thinking about that a lot lately because here's the reality of this. If we come to church every Sunday, if we read our Bible every day, like our, our, you know, our desire is that everyone should read the Bible every day, if we study, if we pray, if we do all of this and nothing ever changes, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. If nothing ever changes in your life, if nothing ever changes in my life, if nothing ever changes in the life of the people of this congregation, if, the li- if nothing ever changes in, this, in, in our surrounding area, our neighborhoods, our, our, our schools, our, our whatever, if they don't change, then we're missing something. Because even the, the first disciples, when they, when they went uh, and started preaching, and they got in trouble, and they got thrown in jail, and, and the, the, the accusation against them was those who have been preaching and, and, and turning the world upside down have come here also. Those who have been turning the world upside down have come here also. Now there's obviously, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, the great, I'm probably one of the greatest proponents of, of the reality that we have to live our lives every day. You know, you got to go to work every day, or you should be going to work every day. If you're not going to work every... <laughs> well, at least it wasn't a cell phone, praise God. But you should be going to work every day. You should be being productive. You should be going to school. You should be, you should be living your life every day, but it should be changed by the gospel. Because if it's not being changed by the gospel, you know, hey, I have to admit, man, I'm just, I'm being really honest here. You know, the first 18 years of my life, I went to church a lot because I was made to. I was forced to by my parents. Parents. It's what Neetzels do. And I use that line of my kids, you know. Well, we're only going to church because you're a pastor. No, neat souls go to church. That's what we do. We go on church one Wednesday night. We go to church on Sunday morning. This is what we do. Wouldn't matter if I was a pastor. Well, you can do that, but if it doesn't change you, because on Monday morning, I'd go back. I'd go back to school the next day and be John. And I wasn't always Christian John. Then I got less and less Christian John. (laughs) But if it doesn't change your life, if, if you're not seeing a difference, if other people aren't seeing a difference, then, then it's not, there's something wrong. Because this gospel, this, this word of God, has the power to turn the world upside down. Amen. Now here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of, what's, of, this, of, of being in this room, standing right here, talking to you, is... That in this church, we're doing it. We're actually expecting it to happen. We're expecting things to change. We're expecting, you know, our communities, our our, our neighborhoods, our families, our, our our region to be changed by the power of God. 
But I have to remind myself on a regular basis, is what I'm doing, is how I'm living my life being as effective as I possibly can for the kingdom of God? Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to put on a brown robe with a hood and hide out in, you know, in a cave somewhere and pray 27 hours a day. For those of you who didn't get that, there's only 24. It's the new math. It's the new math. But it's not, it's not that we can't have fun. It's not that we can't. But even in our fun, we're living Jesus. If we're not, then there's something wrong. And, and well, I won't, I won't say that. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 10 says, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That's saying that's Jesus. Jesus descended. Where did he descend from? He descended from heaven, glory, the presence of God, whatever that means, wherever that is. He descended, but then he also ascended. First of all, he ascended on the cross. He was lifted up on the cross. And he said, if, if I'm lifted up, all men will be drawn unto me. People for 2,000 years now have been drawn to Jesus. Why? Because he was obedient to, be, to ascend, to be lifted up. But then he descended in death, but then he ascended again into heaven. He, into the, the, right, the, the presence of God and the, right, the seat, right-hand seat of God. So he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. What we just did this morning during communion was we built up the body of Christ. By using the gifts that God has put in you. Not everybody's an apostle, not everybody's a prophet, not everybody's a teacher or a pastor. But every one of us, if you're born again, every one of us is a minister of reconciliation in the kingdom of God. And you're anointed to minister reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Making things right. Making things right. Recon reconciling. You know, my wife reconciles our, our bank book. You know, praise God, she does it. It is, it's just, you know, but she reconciles. Why? That means column A lines up with column B, right? <laughs> I'm making it up as I go along. But you know what I'm saying. You know what reconciling, you're reconciling, you're, you make sure that, that the right answer is the right answer. And this morning, as we were praying for one another, some, some people are going through some stuff. That, that isn't right. And so that ministry of reconciliation, well, let me pray for you. Let me, let me use my authority that God has given me to speak into your life words of reconciliation. We can do that. Man, that's the beauty of this. You don't have to have a Bible degree to speak words, to speak reconciliation. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to even be a pastor. You don't have to be a teacher or an evangelist. You don't have to be an evangelist to get somebody saved. Because the, the ministry of reconciliation is reconciling that person who's not saved, who's, a, who's, who's been separated from God, reconciling them back to the, the, uh, the right relationship with God. You can do that. I, I, brought pe I, I led people back to Jesus before I ever had a title. Why? Because I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Yes. And I have the right and I have the authority to speak. I have the authority that when I say something in the, in the Spirit, now I can say something stupid around the, the dinner table, and I do a, a lot. And sometimes my, my family goes, we don't know whether you're kidding or whether you're telling, you know, you're, and I said, I never kid. <laughs> then they call me a liar. But that's, you know. <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm 
when I am purposefully choosing to speak the words of, that, that, that the Holy Spirit puts in me, there's power in those words. I know, because it changes lives. I've, I've, I've spoken to people. I've spoken to unsaved people. And they, I, was, I was in my garage one day, and one of my neighbors stopped over. And he was talking, and, and he, we had talked before. We had, he had experienced the power of God in a situation that we were in. And he came back, and he goes, I don't get it. I don't get it. He says, I go to church every Sunday, and I never experienced that. What happened that day? And, I, and he goes, why is that? And I said, because not every church believes it. Not, everybody, not every church believes that, that there is an anointing, that, that, that there's the manifest presence of God, that God is real today as he was 2,000 years ago. And I, I started telling him, I said, you know, God does this. And God, you know, I started sharing some scriptures with him. And I started, we, we were just talking about the things of God. And he puts his hand on my car and goes, there it is again. Now, is it because I'm anything? No. I was just saying what God was saying to him. God wants him to know that he is real. He goes, whoa, there it is again. And I was like, man, you could live this way every day of your life. You don't have to be in church to, to experience the presence of God. When you start speaking, man, when, why is it when, when people start sharing a testimony about their healing, other people can get healed? Because there's an anointing in those words that as they share about that, they can get, other people can get here. It builds their faith. Even as I'm speaking now, there are people that are, that are saying, going, okay, there, I, want this, I want this to be real in my life. I want, I, why? Because this is the topic that I'm, I'm talking about. That's what the, the words I'm using have power and anointing. Whenever you share words, that's why I had you pray for one another, because you just did all the ministry that needs to be done this morning. Unless somebody didn't share everything. But you got to do it. And you're just as anointed as I am. Sometimes way more. Why? Because God, God's done some things in your life. And he's been able, he's, he's healed some things in your life. But he's given these ministries to be able to train up the saints to do the work of the ministry. He's, my job is to, is, to, is to spur you on, to encourage you. Why, why do we have church? Back to that original thought. Why do we do this? Is it to teach you everything you need to know about Christianity? No. My job is not to teach you everything you need to know about Christianity. Why? Because you can do it in Bible studies. You can do it in small groups. Tell you the truth, small groups are probably the best way to gain knowledge and to gain experience. and to, that's, that's where, you know, go to Bible school, go, go to Sunday school, go to, go to a Friday morning Bible cl uh, class, Wednesday nights. There are teaching, teaching, teaching. You can get it online. Teaching, teaching, teaching. There is so much good teaching out there. Why do we do this? Because, because we as a body need to have a focus. Where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? What are we doing with this? training the saints. You can be all geared up. I know, I know some guys. I know some guys that, that like guns. <laughs> guns. <laughs> and they, they take these guns and they go out and they shoot them. They shoot them. Bang, bang. You know, they're out on the range and they're shooting paper targets. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, 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 bang. And they get good at it. But do you know that guns were not made to shoot paper targets? You can, you can shoot all the paper targets you want, but you're not going to gain any calories from paper, tag, from, from paper targets unless you go shoot something, a squirrel. Anybody ever eaten a squirrel? Wow. I, I want to do that. I, I, still, I still have not eaten a squirrel. I've eaten rabbit, I've eaten, I've eaten alligator, shark, never eaten a squirrel, honey. <laughs> I'll hook you up. 
awesome. But unless you, unless you use that something to nerd, to, to build, to, to, whether it's used for, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, go out, shoot targets, whatever. But you're not going to gain a calorie from it unless you use it for what it's made for. The gospel's the same way. You can get built up. You can, you can go to every class. You can go to every seminar. You can go to everything. and You can go to every Bible school. You can have every degree. And if you don't put that into process, into practice, by ministering to somebody else, it does you absolutely no good. Amen. Why? Because these gifts are to build you up, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until, until we have all attained to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, or womanhood, personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We aren't to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ yet. We're not there yet. Why? Because, 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 because. Same thing I did for so long. Is I, I took it in, took it in. Took, I, I used to, as a kid, I used to win all the Bible quizzing games. Whenever, you know, whenever they had a question about, you know, who was the shortest man in the Bible. Do you know who that was? No. Bill Dad the shoe height, exactly. It's a joke, it's a joke. Never mind. I never kid. No, no, no. But you know, well, you know who is, who is, no, nah, no. Nah. I, I mean, any of these Bible games, were, I used to win them all. And then I'd go back on Monday morning and I'd live like the world. I wouldn't do anything with it. It wasn't until, it wasn't until I started doing, serving someone else that all that Bible knowledge meant something. Until I ministered to somebody else, until I, until I shared my faith with somebody else who wasn't a Christian, until I, I, I led something, or I led a Bible study, or I led a, a small group, or I, or I taught something, until you start to give it out, it's worthless. You'll get saved, but the Bible talks about being making it to heaven by the skin of your teeth. You ever, you ever wonder where that phrase, the skin of your teeth, comes from? It's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It says some, some will make it by the skin of their teeth. Why? Because they don't use it. Just had a conversation with somebody this week. You don't know the situation. doesn't matter. You don't try to figure it out. But literally, it was an example of this, this situation that, that these people are dealing with is the, the exact situation talked about in the, the, the parable of the talents. They have all this stuff. They have, all, they have everything that they need to affect their community. They have everything that they need to change, to turn their area upside down. And what's happening is the church is dwindling and dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And why is that? It's because they have decided that they, their relation, their, their nucleus is more important than what's outside the church. They have hidden that talent. They've buried it in the ground. Don't do that. Don't do that. This gospel, this, this kingdom is not for us to keep it to ourselves. This kingdom, this gospel, this, this, what God has given us is to change the world around us. And I guarantee you, I absolutely, 100%, absolutely, because I've, I've, I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in other people's lives, the moment you go, okay, I'm in, I'm going to start giving out. I'm going to start ministering out. I'm going to talk to that person tomorrow at break time who's been going through all those troubles. I'm going, to, I'm going to just share with them, hey, can I pray for you? Or hey, I've got an answer for you. 
God loves you. God, God has an answer for you. The Word of God has an answer for you. You take that chance. You take that chance, and your life will never be the same. Well, what if they reject me? They, so what? So what? Who cares? Who cares if they laugh at you? Man, I've had so many people laugh at me, and I'm still standing. I've had people call me names. I've had people, I mean, you would think, I mean, what kind of goofball would call me names? (laughs) (laughs) But really, the reality is, is that the gospel should change the world around you. This morning, you you had a taste, just a taste of changing the life of somebody else. I saw a lot of tears. As I looked around the room, I saw a lot of people wiping tears. Why? Because it touched them. You ministered to them. You helped them. They don't feel alone anymore. People, people are living this life. Some of, the, some of the, 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 most, the people who feel the most alone are students. College students, college students, even though they're surrounded every day by, by, by uh, uh, other students and the faculty and the, the community and whatever, they, they, it has been shown, it's, been, it's, a, it's a scientific fact, they've, they've researched it, they are the most lonely people in the world. Why? Because they don't know who they are. They don't have the real answers in life, unless they know Jesus. You reach out to them, you can change their life. But you have to reach out. 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. This week, man, as I've been just meditating, just listening to the Holy Spirit, and I've, and I've prayed about how to, how to say this so that it, you catch what I'm trying to say. I keep, I'm, I keep praying. It's like, Lord, I taught on this already. I've taught on this. I've taught, you know, I'm, I'm looking, you know, I just finished up a series on, on uh, authority and, and we've been teaching about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and do, doing all these things. What, what, what am I supposed to do next, Lord? Show me what I'm supposed to talk about. Tell me, tell me, lead me, Lord. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And I've been listening and there's two things that I hear. One is, tell everybody to get ready for what's coming next. Get ready for what's coming next. So what's coming next? We need to have discernment. I keep hearing the word discernment over and over and over again. Because not everything, not everything that, that, uh, that somebody says is God, this verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We need to understand that not everything that's going to be done and said in the days to come is God. Don't get, don't get sidetracked. Don't, don't get pigeonholed. Don't get, don't get sucked down the rabbit hole. Be wise. We're, we're ent- I mean, there's a deception, there's a delusion on the earth today that is just, it's just, it's horrible. It's so evident to us. I mean, I look at this and go, duh. But there's a whole world that they're going, well, of course this is, this is good. This is God. This is, we just loving each other. We're, we're going we're gonna to love everybody. No, you're not loving everybody. You're not, if, you, if somebody says that their deviant lifestyle is okay to God and you, don't, and you agree with them, you're not loving them. I've had a lot of friends where I've had to say, you realize that sin. You realize that sin. Yeah, okay. But God loves me. Yeah, he does love you. But you're living in sin. Don't do that. Help. You, know, you, there's, you don't have to live like that anymore. 
That's love. Love is telling somebody, don't fall off the cliff. You're walking towards a cliff, don't fall off of it. You can stay back here where it's safe. That's love. Telling your kids, no, you're not doing that. No, you're not. No, 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 no. And here's why. Not because I don't want you to have no fun. I just don't want you to die. Sin leads to death. Spiritual death, eternal death. Don't die. I want you to I want to be with you for eternity. That's love. It's telling somebody the truth. Not being not being tossed by every wind of doctrine. I don't know, I don't want, I, sometimes I go places I don't know that I want to go. I just saw an article this week. I just saw an article this week where a school, a Christian school, a Christian school has to close their doors. And the reason they have to close their doors is last year in their, in their, their uh, uh, statement of faith, their statement of, their statement of, of whatever, they made the statement that we open our doors to all lifestyles, all, all, because God loves everybody. And they don't understand why people quit giving to their ministry. And they were just lamenting the fact that people are so closed-minded they have to shut the doors. My thought was, good! Good! Quit giving them money! Why give money to people who are telling you lies? Every wind of doctrine. It's not going to get better. It's going to get weirder, man. I mean, it's going to get so weird. Actually, the Bible says that it, it, it will get so bad, so weird, that even possibly the elect could be deceived. Don't, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't, what does the word say? What does the Bible say? Don't, don't squint and go, well, I guess I could see that. Don't do that. Keep your eyes wide open. And be honest with yourself. That's not truth. No wonder you're, going, you're, you're shutting the doors. Good, you shouldn't have had the doors open in the first place if you were going to make that kind of a decision. Well, aren't you being judgmental? Yes, I, I can be, in that way, I can be judgmental. I'm not judging, oh, how could you get there? Because I get that, I've done that. That's how we can't, we don't judge about, oh, that person fell in sin. I would never fall in that kind of sin. Duh. That's, that's what we don't judge. We do get to judge right from wrong. That's wrong. So, number one, be aware. Be aware. The other thing I keep hearing from the Holy Spirit is get going. It's time to get going. We're, it's time. We're, we're in it. How can God use you? Now, I'm going to make every single person in this room feel extremely uncomfortable, starting with Zoe. <laughs> and working my way all the way around the room. Get going. Get going. It's time to get going. It's time to get going. What has God called you to? What has God called you? What is it that he's given you gifts, talents, anointings, authority, power, and just start doing it, doing it, whatever it is. Well, do you, does that mean I have to go buy a building and start a church? Maybe. <laughs> but it could be just sharing with your friends, just sharing with your neighbors, just telling people that God loves them. It might be, it might be leading somebody, it might be praying for somebody tomorrow that's in gym class. Do you have gym class? Don't have gym class? <laughs> You're not in school? Homeschool? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it might be your neighbor. It might be your neighbor. It might be, you know, it might be your, your cubicle worker or whatever. And they're coming in and they're going, oh man, you know, I've just been, I've been just really suffering with this shoulder, whatever it is. And, you, and, the, and the Holy Spirit says, pray for him. And your head goes, well, what if they don't get healed? That's not the point. That's your head. What if they do get healed? Look at the glory of God, man. That's just, look what, look what God has done. Start, start living this. Really, what, you know, I go back to my original question. 
I go all the way back to the beginning. Why do we do this? It's for me to put a fire under you. That's my job. As a pastor, my job is sometimes to move the sheep to where they need to be. Okay, guys, we've spent enough time here. Let's get going. Let's go. Come on. There's always going to be one. There's always. <laughs> At least. I'm surprised it wasn't more. But that's where we're at today. My job is, hey, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go do what sheep do. Let's go do what sheep do. What do sheep do? They make more sheep. Let's go make more sheep. Let's, let's. No, no, that ain't going on recording. No. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do what he's told us to do. I'm telling you, it's going to be a blast. Amen? Amen. Amen. Nathaniel. Praise the Lord. Yes, with, with all the delusion and deception happening in the world nowadays, that's why we need to stay close to the church. Paul was writing to Timothy and he called the church the pillar and ground of the truth. And Hebrews in chapter 10 says, as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, the more important it is that we stay in church and be in church and exhort other people to get in church if they're not, if, if they're not with us. He says, as, uh, we, um, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. So that's why, that's why we need to be here. When it comes to offering time and we, we give into the work of God, we're not losing something. It's not a loss, it's an investment. And it's not, and, and we are not giving here just to maintain the status quo, right? We're, we're giving towards a vision that's actually gonna bear fruit for the kingdom of God and reach and touch many people. So Brother Daniel started the service with 1 Samuel chapter 30, and that's where I wanna go today. So we'll go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I don't have enough time to give you a lot of context or much of anything, but I'll try to just summarize what's, what's going on here. This is a story about King David before he was king. He was in a time between times. Uh, he, he was anointed king, but he, w but he did not have the throne yet. And he, th there was a lot of things that, that tested him and made him into a man of God that he encountered during, during this time. And there, because the anointing and the grace of God was coming on him as king, uh, men were drawn to him. And they, they came you know, to, to be a part of his team. He had a band of warriors and they would, uh, you know, fight for Israel and, and that type of thing, but they were not the official army. Anyway, they came back to their village where they were living at that time. It was called Ziklag. And while they were out of town, the whole village had been raided, burned down. No one was killed because there, there wasn't any bodies left behind, but the whole city was burned. Everyone was taken captive. So these men lost wives, children, family members. David seeks the Lord and says, shall I pursue them? And the answer came back, yes, go get them. So he, he, has, he has a band of 600 men and they start pursuing the enemy. They, they had to move quickly because, uh, you know, just to catch up to, to where these guys were and the Lord sent them a, a, 
there was somebody that they encountered that showed them exactly where to go, but it, it had to be a forced march. And they got to a certain brook or a certain river called Besor, and 200 of the guys were, were too tired really to go on. And so they, uh, D David just left them with the supplies right there at the river and then took the remaining 400 and, and went across and uh, caught up with those guys. And uh, they, they didn't see him coming. First uh, Samuel 30, 17 says, David smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men that jumped on camels and got out of there. <laughs> so so it, was a, it was a great victory. Then David returns to the brook Besor with, with uh, you know, to meet up with the 200 that had stayed behind to guard the stuff. And among among David's, you know, uh, 400, there was some men that didn't really have pure motives. And they said, well, all the spoils of this victory, we're not going to share it with those guys because they didn't go into the battle with us. So, you know, we'll give them their wives and their kids and just let them go away. But, uh, but all the spoils that we picked up from the enemy's camp, we're not sharing them. That's us. You know, that belongs to us because we... We, we were in the battle. And David rebuked him and corrected that and laid down for us and really an eternal principle of God that, that stands to this day. Um, so 1 Samuel 30, 23, then David said, you shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord has given us, who has preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goes down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarries by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel forever. So we have a principle here from the Old Testament, um, how, how does that carry over into where we are today? Those who give financially to support the preaching of the gospel are rewarded the same as the people that actually do the preaching. It takes all of us. The preacher can't do everything by himself. Everyone has a part in making this church happen when people are saved, delivered, healed, when the word of God bears fruit in their life, there are eternal rewards and there are temporal rewards, but God makes it clear in this passage that those who preach and those who do everything else to support the preaching are rewarded alike, and there's no insignificant person in the body of Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord. Dear Father, thank you for all the goodness and your, your keeping power in our life. We're so grateful. Thank you for the opportunity to, to give and participate in the offering today. And we ask you to bless every, every offering and help it to bear much fruit to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.